0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us.
1: In the previous program, I was talking about Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and in today's program, I would like to spend a little bit more time with verse 7, where he makes the comparison between a slave and a son. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, the first thing that I would like to mention is that when a person is under the law, they are a slave. They are not a son. They are not recognized as a child of God. They are a slave in the sense that they are bound to, to the law, they are a servant of the law, a person will find themselves in a situation where they are obligated to obey the commandments that the law demands that an individual obey, they will have to do that. If they succeed in obeying all of the commandments according to the law, then of course, the Lord said that he would compensate them, he would bless them with a number of things, but because an individual will never obey all of the commandments, there will never be any delivery by God with regards to any of the blessings that were advertised in the law. And so there is a slavery that a person lives under. There is a form of slavery, a form of slavery in the sense that a person can work, and yet they will never be compensated for any of the work that they perform. A slave A servant is an individual who works for somebody else and does not get to keep the profits that that individual earns for the other person. Now, of course, there is a difference between a slave or a servant and someone who is hired to do a job. In that case, there is an agreement that is made that they will receive some compensation. But if you are a slave, the only compensation that you might be able to enjoy is being able to have a place to stay, in the sense that you have a legitimate place where you can sleep, you will have clothing provided for you, food will be provided to you, whatever you need in order to stay alive will be provided to you, but you will not be able to enjoy anything more than what you need in order to stay alive or whatever else your master is gracious enough to give you. So that's the difference between a slave and a servant, and a son or a child of the master is a different category entirely. There is the servant, the slave, there is the hired person, and then there is a son. Three different categories of individuals. Now again, you have been set free from being a slave to the law because the Lord Jesus died for our sins, died on our behalf, so because He died For the sins of the world, there is no sin that will be held against an individual, therefore there is no penalty, there is no curse, there is nothing that God will invoke against anyone anymore because Jesus has taken that upon himself. In that way, a person can be set free from the law. But until a person is resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, Until that happens, that individual will never be a child of God. In order to be a child of God, you have to be resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You have to be born again. You have to be born into the kingdom of God through being made alive by the indwelling presence of the Spirit of life. Now, I would like to explain again the fundamental differences between a servant and a son in light of the inheritance that our God has given to us. The first thing you have to understand is that in order to live in this world, you need certain things. You need a place to be, for example. In order to have a place to be, you have to buy some place from somebody else who owns it, or you have to sign an agreement that you will rent or lease that space. There needs to be a place. There needs to be some place where you can be. This is very important because you need to be able to rest, you need a place to put your stuff, and depending, of course, on what you are going to do with your time while you are there or while you are living, this place may need to be suitable for what you do. For example, if you are going to grow vegetables or raise animals, you're going to have to find a place where there's enough room to be able to do that, and you're going to need water to do that. You're probably going to need some energy in order to do that, energy from wood or energy from coal or from electricity or whatever. You're going to need some energy of some kind in order to help you do the kind of work that you intend to do. If you are manufacturing something, you may not need as much land. Instead, you might need a building in order to work in The kind of place where you want to be will depend on the kind of work you're going to do, because if you are going to eat, if you're going to have any clothing, you're going to have to produce, you're going to have to be productive, you're going to have to produce more than what you consume. Now, I understand that there are distortions that take place within different civilizations where an individual does not necessarily have to produce as much as they consume, But eventually, over a period of time, these things eventually get rebalanced, and if an individual does not produce more than what they consume, and they are not able to find somebody else who is willing to make up the difference, well, then their life is going to change dramatically. But in the meantime, it's just helpful to understand the fundamental principle that an individual has to be productive. In order to be productive, you need a place to be, and you will also need resources to work with. In the world, you need resources. For example, if you're going to grow vegetables, you have to have the land to do so. You have to have the seed in order to plant that seed. You need water in order to water the seed. You need tools in order to work the ground and harvest the vegetables. You need to be able to transport what you have grown to a place where somebody else will exchange that for you for money or for whatever else that you have a need for, unless, of course, you intend to consume it all yourself. The thing that you must understand, though, is that without the land, without the tools, without the seed, without something that I would call raw materials, capital resources, without these things, it is not possible for an individual to be free, to have liberty. It's not possible for an individual to be able to work and keep the difference of what they had to consume versus what they produced. This, of course, assumes that an individual produces more than what they consume, and so they can keep the difference. But if you are a slave, if you are a slave, then you have to find someone else who will provide you with a place to be. You have to find someone else who will provide you with tools to work with, with seed to plant, with resources that you can utilize in order to produce something, And if they are gracious enough to allow you to do that, then as a slave, whatever you produce is the property of the individual who gave you the capital to work with in order to produce something. That's what it means to be a slave. It means that you will not keep what you have produced. Now, in general, it is expected that a master will provide the servant or the slave with a place to stay, food to eat. He'll help them stay alive. He'll keep them alive. He'll provide them with a reasonable way of life. But if that individual fails to produce more, significantly more than what they consume, then the master will more than likely get rid of the slave. There's no reason to have them there if they are just there to consume what the other person has. So that's what it means to be a slave. Now, in many ways, we are a slave of God. In many ways, we are a servant of God. When we recognize that this world is His and that anything that is produced within this world is nothing more than a reflection of His graciousness and His mercy, when we look at the world and our God in that context, it's reasonable to address ourselves as servants of God. When we live our lives and if we have the privilege of being told by God to go and do something that is different from what we are doing— And we go do that without question or without hesitation. We recognize that we are a servant of God, a slave of God, and that it doesn't matter if we want to or don't want to. We just do that because we know who our God is. We know who we are, and we simply go and do whatever he instructs us to do, and we don't think anything of it. That's what it means to be a slave, and we recognize that, and it's perfectly acceptable to live that way. So when you see a verse like this in Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 where it says we are no longer a slave but a son, I believe that's true in a certain context. It is not necessarily true in another context. It's perfectly reasonable to address ourselves as servants of Christ, as slaves of Christ. Paul addressed himself that way in a number of other places in the scriptures. And so it's really important to remember the context of what is written in order to fully appreciate the value of what is written. For a slave, again, a slave would be able to use the capital resources of his master. That is true, but he would not be able to keep the profits. Now, when Paul uses the word son here in Galatians chapter 4, especially in the context of the inheritance, What he is communicating is what a son would be like in his father's household. Now, the son would be prepared, as I explained in previous programs related to the tutor or the schoolmaster who would lead you to Christ, the son would be prepared to take over the work of his father, to expand the work of his father. There would be an expectation that eventually the son would receive all that his father has, and then he would utilize that in order to continue to build his life and a life for his children. There is an expectation that the son will be trained and equipped. Now, in order to do that, of course, the son would be treated just like a slave. They would learn how to use the capital resources just as a slave would use the capital resources. But in this case, the father would, of course, claim ownership over whatever it was that the son produced. There would be no opportunity... To take the profits that the son made, the son would not be allowed to do that, he would not be allowed to take the profits, and then continue further business, continue further operations, until the day when the father would be willing to give his son those resources to work with. And that could be after he dies. But in general, this happened before the father would die, in order to give the father a break, for one thing, but also in order to ensure that the son would have the opportunity to really utilize the resources, exercise the business, and the father could give guidance in order to help and assist and ensure that the son would be successful. But the difference between a son and a slave is that eventually, eventually, at a certain point, the son would receive ownership of the capital resources, and would also be able to keep the profits. He would be able to claim a right to the profits. There would be production, there would be consumption. And the difference between the production and the consumption was the profits, and the son would be able to have a right to those profits to what was developed. Now, when our God refers to us as his son, and he refers to us as his son in the context of we are the recipients of an inheritance, then what that means is, is that he has already given to us capital resources that we can utilize, and he guides us, he leads us, he instructs us, he helps us to use those capital resources, but when we... Utilize those capital resources, and we live our lives in a productive way through those capital resources, then there are things that increase in our lives and in the lives of other people. There is an increase that will take place, and when that takes place, we can compare the difference between what we consumed and what we produced, and of course, we can describe a difference, which will of course be quite substantial when you look at it carefully, and you will discover that you have profited from the inheritance that you have received. Now, the expectation is that we don't just consume this inheritance. The expectation is that we utilize the inheritance and we increase the quality and the value of the inheritance, or more specifically, the kingdom of God through the inheritance. Now, What is the inheritance? The inheritance, of course, is the Spirit of God who provides us with everything that we need for life and godliness. And what do we need? We need the love of God. We need the acceptance of God. We need the peace of God. We need the wisdom of God. We need the understanding of God. We need purpose in our lives as will be defined by our God. We need a lot. We were created by our God to have these needs. And when he gives to us his Spirit, his very being... He begins to meet these needs and give to us all that we have a need in our very being. And this is described as the inheritance. Now, we will live our lives with what we have. We are to live our lives on a daily basis, utilizing the love that he has given to us, living in the acceptance that he has given to us, living in the forgiveness that he has given to us, and the reflection of that or the result of that will be a manifestation of the living God within and through us, certainly. But this increase, this manifestation, is something that we know deep inside would never happen outside of his intervention like this. But because we trusted in him, because we made our decisions on the basis of the truth that he has revealed, we are his sons, and we have a claim. We have a claim on any increase in the kingdom of heaven that has resulted. Now, this claim is not something that we can hold on to with a sense of pride. Absolutely not. Because we know full well, without him giving us the inheritance as his children, there would be nothing. But he does allow us to be participants in the work that he is engaged in, in this world. And this is the difference between a slave and a son. The difference is that you get to have a claim on what happens within and through you. You have a claim, you have a right to enjoy the profits of what occurred within and through you. You can say that your God has allowed you to participate in this world in a creative capacity in various ways. For example, if you share the gospel with somebody else and they believe the gospel, you have a claim in that. You have partial ownership in that. When I tell people about the living God and they grow to know him in a greater way, I have a claim to that. I have partial ownership of that. Not to the extent where I'm looking to find some way to securitize it, package it, and perhaps buy insurance on it or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that I recognize that my God has given to me various things that are described as the inheritance in Christ Jesus. And I have been a good steward, to the best of my ability, with what has been given to me in the sense that I've actually utilized used, promoted, proclaimed what the Lord has revealed to me. And as a result of that, there has been an increase in the kingdom of heaven. And he is allowing me to do so as a son, not just as a slave, but as a son, which means that I am an active participant and I also get to enjoy the fruits of this labor. I get to enjoy that. I get to enjoy the changes that occur in people's lives. I get to enjoy participating in the lives of other people to the extent where they grow to know their God, and there is recognition that I was allowed to be a participant in that, not in order to assert myself in a way such that there is a debt that is owed. Absolutely not. There is no debt that is owed. There is nothing but an increase an increase beyond what was given to me. The Lord gave to me various things, various understandings, various realities concerning the relationship I have with him, and what has occurred in my life as a result of that. What has been produced in my life as a result of that is much greater than what I have received. And as I explained in a previous program, there was an expectation that the son would increase the inheritance much more than in the amount that he received it. That when the son would pass the inheritance on to his sons, on to his children, there was an expectation that what he passed on would be greater than what he had received. And this, of course, would be very important, especially if there were two sons. Just to give you an example, it would be very helpful if that son would have been able to double the inheritance at least so that he would be able to give one half to one son, the other half to the other son, and they would receive the same amount that he had received from his father. And so at least double it at least in order to capitalize your children. If you have two children, if you have three children, try to triple it. That was the philosophy that was the philosophy long time ago. Perhaps one day it will be resurrected in people's lives. But that was the philosophy that was behind a statement like this. It is necessary to understand the relationship between a father and a son and the inheritance. And you have to understand also that the idea was that if the son failed to do so, if the son consumed more of the inheritance than what he was able to produce and did not leave a greater inheritance to his children than what he had received, then that was considered to be disgraceful. It was considered to be a disgrace. So of all that the Lord has given to you, live your life utilizing it in such a way that there will be an increase that results from that. Not because you are afraid that you will be a disgrace before God. Because he won't hold your sin against you. He won't do that. But if you do not understand the ways of the world, I don't think you can fully understand and appreciate the things of the Spirit and the intent behind the Spirit. And the expectations behind the spirit, not expectations in the sense of disappointment for failure to meet those expectations, but instead expectations in the sense of the anticipation of what could happen, what can be done, what can be realized in an individual's life if they will only see that they have been fully capitalized. That we have received all that we need for life and godliness. That this inheritance is something that we have right now, today, and that we are to utilize. If we are children of God, then live as children of God. We are not slaves of God. Do not live as slaves. Live as a child. Do not live as a slave who just simply tries to find a way to produce a little bit more, maybe, than what they consume in order to justify their presence, justify their existence, to be able to compete with others who are living in a similar way. No, you are a son, you are a child. Live on that basis and let there be an increase in what you have received. And do not fear the labor that you put into it, because you get to claim ownership in a certain abstract way. You claim ownership over what happens within and through you in your life. Because you are a participant. God is a participant. You are a participant. And so live on that basis and enjoy not only what he has given to you, but enjoy the freedom and the opportunities to make use of what you have been given. And do not be afraid of saying, I spoke to someone about the living God. I shared the gospel with them. You don't have to qualify that and say, well, the Lord, you know, he found a way to overcome my will and spoke to this individual within and through me so that they might hear and understand the gospel through me. It definitely wasn't me. You know, there are times perhaps when he may do that. I understand that. I have experienced that myself on occasion. It's not as though I don't acknowledge that the Lord can work that way within and through people. I do, but do not neglect the fact That there are times when he allows us to be able to speak to others freely and openly and out of our own conviction from the bottom of our own hearts. In the condition that we are in, whether we are mature in Christ or immature in Christ, who cares? What's important is the truth of the living God and the fact that it is shared with conviction. People will respond to that. They will know. They will understand that it is true that you are not perfect but what you know is perfect. And that is something to be shared. That is something to be excited about. And that is something to enjoy. So when he says again in verse 7, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, that means that you were set free from the servitude under the law so that you could be resurrected and become a child of God through adoption. You were not a child before You are a child through adoption, through the gospel, and now you can receive the inheritance according to the Spirit. Now, again, if you are not an Israelite, then the life that you lived under the knowledge of good and evil, whatever that knowledge was, qualifies in the same abstract way. Continuing in chapter 4, verse 8, it says, But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. This is what I'm going to begin to talk about in the next broadcast. I'm going to talk about this in the sense that before you did work, you were using capital resources, but the way that you were doing so, the reflection of your life was not to build the kingdom of heaven. It was to build the kingdom of the devil. And even though we are not aware of that, even though we may not acknowledge that, It still happens, and it's important to just take a moment to recognize the intensity of the situation, that we truly are set free from slavery, and that servitude was being a slave of the devil in many ways. We have been set free from all of that so that we might be a slave to our God, a servant to our God, and now that we have experienced growth and maturity Growth and maturity to the extent where we are saved. We discover the fundamentals of the gospel, the implications of forgiveness, the inheritance that we have received. We are a child of God and so now live as a child of God. Live as a son. Receive the inheritance. Use the inheritance. Prosper through the inheritance and be a participant in the building of the kingdom of God as you make use of all that God has given to you so that what you have received will be increased in such a way that you will enjoy this life that you have before you with your God being allowed to participate in his creation. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast.